Chapters eight, nine, and ten of *The Mistress of Shenston* by Florence Barclay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Eight, in Horseshoe Cove. Lady Ingleby sat in the honeysuckle arbor, pouring her tea from a little brown earthenware teapot and spreading substantial slices of homemade bread with the creamiest of farm butter. When the aged postman hobbled up to the garden gate of the Moorhead Inn with a letter for Mrs. O'Mara for a moment she could scarcely bring herself to open an envelope bearing another name than her own then smiling at her momentary hesitation she tore it open with the keen delight of one who accustomed to a dozen letters a day has passed a week without receiving any she read mrs dalmain's letter through rapidly and once she laughed aloud and once a sudden colour flamed into her cheeks then she laid it down and helped herself to honey real heather honey golden in the comb she took up her letter again and read it carefully, weighing each word. Then, good old Jane, she said, that is rather neatly put, the safely abstract becoming the perilously personal. She has acquired the knack of terse and forceful phraseology from her long friendship with the doctor. I can do it myself when I try. Only my Sir Derricky sentences are apt merely to sound well and mean nothing at all. And, after all, does this of jane's mean anything worthy of consideration could six foot five of abstraction eating its breakfast in complete unconsciousness of one's presence returning one's timid good morning with perfunctory politeness and relegating one while still debating the possibility of venturing a remark on the weather to obvious oblivion ever become perilously personal lady ingleby laughed again returned the letter to its envelope and proceeded to cut herself a slice of home-made currant cake as she finished it with a final cup of tea she thought with amusement of the difference between this substantial meal in the honeysuckle arbour of the old inn garden and the fashionable teas then going on in crowded drawing-rooms in town where people hurried in took a tiny roll of thin bread and butter and a sip of lukewarm tea which had stood sufficiently long to leave an abiding taste of tannin heard or imparted a few more or less detrimental facts concerning mutual friends then hurried on elsewhere to a cucumber sandwich colder tea which had stood even longer and a fresh instalment of gossip oh why do we do it mused lady ingleby then taking up her scarlet parasol she crossed the little lawn and stood at the garden gate in the afternoon sunlight debating in which direction she should go usually her walks took her along the top of the cliffs where the larks springing from the short turf in clumps of waving harebells sang themselves up into the sky she loved being high above the sea and hearing the distant thunder of the breakers on the rocks below but to-day the steep little street down through the fishing village to the cove looked inviting the tide was out and the sands gleamed golden also from her seat in the arbour she had seen jim eyre's tall figure go swinging along the cliff edge silhouetted against the clear blue of the sky and one sentence in the letter she had just received made this into a factor which turned her feet toward the shore the friendly cornish folk sitting on their doorsteps in the sunshine smiled at the lovely woman in white serge who passed down their village streets so tall and graceful beneath the shade of her scarlet parasol an item in the doctor's prescription had been the discarding of widow's weeds and it had seemed quite natural to myra to come down to her first cornish breakfast in a cream serge gown arrived at the shore she turned in the direction she usually took when up above and walked quickly along the firm smooth sand pausing occasionally to pick up a beautifully marked stone or to examine a brilliant sea anemone or gleaming jellyfish left stranded by the tide 
presently she reached a place where the cliff jutted out toward the sea and climbing over slippery rocks studded with shining pools in which crimson seaweed waved crabs scudded sideways from her passing shadow and darting shrimps flicked across and buried themselves hastily in the sand myra found herself in a most fascinating cove the line of cliff here made a horseshoe not quite half a mile in length the little bay within this curve was a place of almost fairy-like beauty the sand a soft glistening white decked with delicate crimson seaweed the cliffs towering up above gave welcome shadow to the shore yet the sun behind them still gleamed and sparkled on the distant sea myra walked to the centre of the horseshoe then picking up a piece of driftwood scooped out a comfortable hollow in the sand about a dozen yards from the foot of the cliff stuck her open parasol up behind it to shield herself from the observation from above of any chance passer-by and settling comfortably into the soft hollow lay back watching through half-closed lids the fleeting shadows the blue sky the gently moving sea little white clouds blushed rosy red an opal tint gleamed on the water the moving ripple seemed too far away to break the restful silence lady ingleby's eyelids drooped lower and lower yes my dear jane she murmured dreamily watching a snow-white sail as it rounded the point curtsied and vanished from view undoubtedly a a well-expressed sentence but far from from being fact the safely abstract could hardly require a a a cameo the long walk the sea-breeze the distant lapping of the water all these combined had done their soothing work lady ingleby slept peacefully in horseshoe cove and the rising tide crept in nine jim earth to the rescue an hour later a man swung along the path at the summit of the cliffs whistling like a blackbird the sun was setting and as he walked he revelled in the gold and crimson of the sky in the opal tints upon the heaving sea the wind had risen as the sun set and breakers were beginning to pound along the shore suddenly something caught his eye far down below by jove he said a scarlet poppy on the sands he walked on until his rapid stride brought him to the centre of the cliff above horseshoe cove then good lord said jim earth and stood still he had caught sight of lady ingleby's white skirt reposing on the sand beyond the scarlet parasol good lord said jim earth then he scanned the horizon not a boat to be seen his quick eye travelled along the cliff the way he had come not a living thing in sight on to the fishing village faint threads of ascending vapour indicated chimneys two miles at least muttered jim earth i could not run it and get back with a boat under three-quarters of an hour then he looked down into the cove both ends cut off the water will reach her feet in ten minutes will sweep the base of the cliff in twenty exactly beneath the spot where he stood more than half way down was a ledge about six feet long by four feet wide letting himself over the edge holding to tufts of grass tiny shrubs jutting stones cracks in the surface of the sandstone he managed to reach this narrow ledge dropping the last ten feet and landing on it by an almost superhuman effort of balance one moment he paused carefully took its measure then leaning over looked down sixty feet remained 
a precipitous slope with nothing to which foot could hold or hand could cling jim Earth buttoned his norfolk jacket and tightened his belt then slipping feet foremost off the ledge he glissaded down on his back bending his knees at the exact moment when his feet thudded heavily on to the sand for a moment the shock stunned him then he got up and looked around he stood within ten yards of the scarlet parasol on the small strip of sand still left uncovered by the rapidly advancing sweep of the rising tide ten yo ho we go a cameo chaperonage murmured lady ingleby and suddenly opened her eyes sky and sea were still there but between them closer than sea or sky looking down upon her with a tense light in his blue eyes stood jim Earth. why i've been asleep said lady ingleby you have said jim Earth. and meanwhile the sun has set and the tide has come up allow me to assist you to rise lady ingleby put her hand into his and he helped her to her feet she stood beside him gazing with wide startled eyes at the expanse of sea the rushing waves the tiny strip of sand the tide seems very high said lady ingleby very high agreed jim Earth. he stood close beside her but his eyes still eagerly scanned the water if by any chance a boat came round the point there would still be time to hail it we seem to be cut off said lady ingleby we are cut off replied jim Earth laconically then i suppose we must have a boat said lady ingleby an excellent suggestion replied jim Earth dryly if a boat were to be had but unfortunately we are two miles from the hamlet and this is not a time when boats pass in and out nor would they come this way when i saw you from the top of the cliff i calculated the chances as to whether i could reach the boats and be back here in time but before i could have returned with a boat you would have been very wet finished jay Earth somewhat lamely he looked at the lovely face close to his shoulder it was pale and serious but showed no sign of fear he glanced at the point of cliff beyond twenty feet above its rocky base the breakers were dashing but round that point would be safety can you swim asked jim Earth eagerly myra's calm gray eyes met his steadily a gleam of amusement dawned in them if you put your hand under my chin and count one two one two very loud and quickly i can swim nearly ten yards she said jim Earth laughed his eyes met hers in sudden comprehending comradeship by jove you're plucky they seemed to say but what he really said was then swimming is no go no go for me said myra earnestly nor for you waited by me we should never get round that eddying whirlpool it would merely mean that we should both be drowned but you can easily do it alone oh go at once go quickly and don't look back i shall be all right i shall just sit down against the cliff and wait i have always been fond of the sea jim Earth looked at her again and this time open admiration shone in his keen eyes ah brave he said a mother of soldiers such women make us a fighting race myra laid her hand on his sleeve my friend she said it was never given me to be a mother but i am a soldier's daughter and a soldier's widow and i am not afraid to die oh i do beg of you give me one hand clasp and go 
jim earth took the hand held out but he kept it firmly in his own you shall not die he said between his teeth do you suppose i would leave any woman to die alone and you you of all women by heaven he repeated doggedly you shall not die do you think i could go and leave he broke off abruptly myra smiled his hand was very strong and her heart felt strangely restful and had he not said you of all women but even in what seemed likely to be her last moments lady ingleby's unfailing instinct was to be tactful i am sure you would leave no woman in danger she said and some alas might have been easier to save than i plump little miss susie would have floated jim Eyre's big laugh rang out and miss murgatroyd could have sailed away in her cameo he said then as if that laugh had broken the spell which held him inactive come he cried and drew her to the foot of the cliff we have not a moment to lose look do you see the way i came down see that long slide in the sand i toboggan down there on my back pretty steep and nothing to hold to i admit but not so very far up after all and where my slide begins is a blessed ledge four foot by six he pulled out a huge clasp-knife opened the largest blade and commenced hacking steps in the face of the cliff we must climb said jim earth i have never climbed whispered myra's voice behind him you must climb to-day said jim earth i could never even climb trees whispered myra you must climb a cliff to-night it is our only chance he hacked on rapidly suddenly he paused show me your reach he said mine would not do put your left hand there so now stretch up with your right as high as you can easily ah three foot six or thereabouts now your left foot close to the bottom step up with your right as high as you can comfortably two foot nine good one step more or less might make all the difference by and by now listen while i work what a godsend for us that there happens to be just here this stratum of soft sand we should have been done for had the cliff been serpentine marble you must choose between two plans i could scrape you a step wider than the rest almost a ledge just out of reach of the water leaving you there while i go on up and finish then i could return for you you could climb in front i helping from below you would feel safer or you must follow me up now step by step as i cut them i could not wait on a ledge alone said myra i will follow you step by step good said jim earth it will save time i am afraid you must take off your shoes and stockings nothing will do for this work but naked feet we shall need to stick our toes into the sand and make them cling on like fingers he pulled off his own boots and stockings then drew the belt from his norfolk jacket and fastened it firmly round his left ankle in such a way that a long end would hang down behind him as he mounted see that he said when you are in the niches below me it will hang close to your hands if you are slipping and feel you must clutch at something catch hold of that only if possible shout first and i will stick on like a limpet and try to withstand the strain but don't do it unless really necessary he picked up myra's shoes and stockings and put them into his big pockets at that moment an advance wave rushed up the sand and caught their bare feet oh jim earth 
cried myra go without me i have not a steady head i cannot climb he put his hands upon her shoulders and looked full into her eyes you can climb he said you must climb you shall climb we must climb or drown and remember if you fall i fall too you will not be saving me by letting yourself go she looked up into his eyes despairingly they blazed into hers from beneath his bent brows she felt the tremendous mastery of his will her own gave one final struggle i have nothing to live for jim Earth, she said i am alone in the world so am i he cried i have been worse than alone for a half score of years but there is life to live for would you throw away the highest of all gifts i want to live good god i must live and so must you we live or die together he loosed her shoulders and took her by the wrists he lifted her trembling hands and held them against his breast for a moment they stood so in absolute silence then myra felt herself completely dominated all fear slipped from her but the assurance which took its place was his courage not hers and she knew it lifting her head she smiled at him with white lips i shall not fall she said another wave swept round their ankles and remained there good said jim Earth, and loosed her wrists we shall owe our lives to each other next time i look into your face please god we shall be in safety come he sprang up the face of the cliff standing in the highest niches he had made now follow me carefully he said slowly and carefully we are not in a position to hurry always keep each hand and each foot firmly in a niche are you there good now don't look either up or down but keep your eyes on my heels directly i move come on to the empty places see now then can you manage good on we go after all it won't take long i say what fun if the miss murgatroyds peeped over the cliff amelia would be so shocked at our bare feet eliza would cry oh my dear love and susie would promptly fall upon us hallo steady down there don't laugh too much fine knife this i bought it in mexico and if the big blade gives out there are two more also a saw and a corkscrew mind the falling sand does not get into your eyes tell me if the niches are not deep enough and remember there is no hurry we are not aiming to catch any particular train steady down there don't laugh up we go oh good this is a third of the way don't look either up or down watch my heels i wish they were more worth looking at and remember the belt is quite handy and i am as firm as a rock up here you and all the miss murgatroyds might hang on it together steady down there all right i won't mention them by the way the water must be fairly deep below us now if you fell you would merely get a ducking i should slide down and pull you out and we would start afresh good lord oh never mind nothing only my knife slipped but i caught it again we must be halfway by now how lucky we have my glissading marks to guide us i can't see the ledge from here let's sing nancy lee 
i suppose you know it i can always work better to a good rollicking tune then as he drove his blade into the cliff jim Ayres' gay voice rang out of all the wives as e'er you know yo lads ho yo yo there's none like nancy lee i trow yo lads ho yo see there she stands blow i've struck a rock not a big one though remember this step will be slightly more to your right and waves her hands upon the key and every day when i'm away she'll watch over me and whisper low when tempests blow oh hang these unexpected stones that's finished my big blade for jack at sea yo ho lads ho yo ho now the chorus the sailor's wife the sailor's star shall be come on you sing too yo ho we go across the sea came lady ingleby's voice from below rather faint and quavering that's right shouted jim Earth. keep it up i can see the ledge now just above us the bows and pipes the watch below yo ho lads ho yo ho yo ho then here is a health afore we go yo ho lads ho yo ho a long long life to my sweet wife and mates at sea keep it up down there i have one hand on the ledge and keep our bones from davy jones where we be and keep our bones from davy jones whoe'er he be quavered lady ingleby making one final effort to move up into the vacant niches though conscious that her fingers and toes were so numb that she could not feel them grip the sand then jim Ayres' whole body vanished suddenly from above her as he drew himself on to the ledge yo we go came his gay voice from above yo ho yo ho sang lady ingleby in a faint whisper she could not move on into the empty niches she could only remain where she was clinging to the face of the cliff she suddenly thought of a fly on a wall and remembered a particular fly years ago on her nursery wall she had followed its ascent with a small interested finger and her nurse had come by with a duster and saying nasty thing had ruthlessly flicked it off the fly had fallen fallen dead on the nursery carpet lady ingleby felt she too was falling she gave one agonized glance upward to the towering cliff with a line of sky above it then everything swayed and rocked a mother of soldiers her brain insisted must fall without screaming then a long arm shot down from above a strong hand gripped her firmly one step more said jim Ayres' voice close to her ear and i can lift you she made the effort and he drew her on to the ledge beside him thank you very much said lady ingleby and who was davy jones jim Ayres' face was streaming with perspiration his mouth was full of sand his heart was beating in his throat but he loved to play the game and he loved to see another do it so he laughed as he put his arm around her holding her tightly so that she would not realize how much she was trembling davy jones he said is a gentleman who has a locker at the bottom of the sea into which all drowned things go i am afraid your pretty parasol has gone there and my boots and stockings but we may well spare him those oh i say yes do have a good cry don't mind me and don't you think between us we could remember some sort of a prayer for if ever two people face death together we have faced it 
and by god's mercy here we are alive end of chapters eight nine and ten